Our scripture this morning is from the book of Esther. For those of you who might not be familiar with the story of Esther, or even if you are but haven't heard it in a long time, here's a quick summary. And by the way, this book is thought by scholars to be based loosely on historical events and is more of an allegory, showing God's providence rather than historical writing. In any event, it's an interesting story. So the time is around 480 BC. Some of the Israelites are under the rule of the Persian Empire. Two of these Israelites are the young and beautiful Esther, probably in her late teens, and her older cousin, Mordecai. Esther's parents have died, and Mordecai acts as her father. The Persian king, Ahasuerus, held a wild, week-long party that resulted in him dismissing his first queen, Queen Vashti, for disobedience. The king then later required all of the young women in the kingdom to be presented to him as potential replacements. The king chooses Esther as his new queen, and Esther does not reveal her Jewish identity to the Persian king. Around the same time, a man named Haman rises to power as the king's second-in-command. Haman is the villain in the story. He expects everyone to bow down before him. But Mordecai, Esther's cousin, refuses to do this, and this infuriates Haman. Haman learns that Mordecai is Jewish, and to get back at Mordecai for not bowing to him, Haman convinces the king to issue an order to kill all of the Jewish people in the kingdom. Mordecai hears about this and is devastated. He needs to find a way to save his own life and the lives of all the Jews in the kingdom. He thinks of his cousin, Esther, who is the queen. She should have some influence, right? The problem, or one of them, is that the king doesn't know that his queen is Jewish. This is where we pick up with our story. In Esther chapter 4, I am looking forward to hearing this passage today through a dramatization with some liberties taken, presented by Hannah and Bruce Miller. But first, let us pray. Oh, holy God, as we listen for your word in our lives today, we ask that you would quiet all the voices in our mind so that we might be present to your holy grace presence. And we thank you for meeting us here this day. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Esther, I am so glad you could finally Zoom with me. I have been calling you all day. I know, you'd think that there'd be good cell service here in the palace of all places, but apparently there's a lot of dead spots, but <laughs> at least the Wi-Fi is good. Well, I'm glad we can finally speak. I trust you have heard about the king's horrible proclamation. Yes, and I am broken up about it. But it was all Haman's doing. He apparently paid the king a lot of money to get him to agree to it. Well, in any event, you must speak to the king and entreat him on behalf of our people. I would, but we have some strange rules here. It said that if any man or woman goes to the king in the inner court without first being called by the king, there is but one law. All alike are to be put to death. 
And only if the king holds out the golden scepter to someone, may that person live. I myself have not been called to talk to the king for 30 days. That is difficult indeed. But don't forget that you are amongst those sentenced to be killed. For if you keep silence at such a time as this, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another quarter. But you and your father's family will perish. Who knows, perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Okay, I know you're right. I'm just scared, but go and gather all the Jews to be found in the city and hold a fast on my behalf. Neither eat nor drink for three days, day or night. I and my maids will fast as you do. And after that... I'll go to the king, though it's against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Thank you, Hannah and Bruce. In many ways, this story that we've just heard, the story of Esther, reminds me of a soap opera. General Hospital was my favorite back in the day. And the book of Esther only gets more dramatic from here. I encourage you to read the rest of it. But while there's a lot of drama in this book of the Bible, there's not a lot of morality. Or maybe a better way to state that is there's a lot of immorality. There's drunkenness, murder, deception, and more. This book is a good reminder that if ever we are feeling high and mighty as Christians, thinking that the Bible is all about clean living, pure, holy, and mighty folk, it is not. Let us not fool ourselves. The Bible is full of human beings living their lives, which is often messy. The book of Esther is especially human. Actually, Esther may be about as human a book in the Bible as we can find. By this, I mean there is no mention of the word God anywhere in its 10 chapters. If you are like me, it is easier to feel good about the magnificent accounts in our holy book, the miracles and the outlandish events. It is easier to make reference to God when we talk about the God who shows up in the burning bush and in the parting of the Red Sea, or the God who gives direction to Noah for how to build an ark and then provides a rainbow as a sign of promise. It's easier to refer to the scriptures where God is big and specific and marvelous, but God doesn't show up like this in Esther. And if I'm honest, God doesn't show up like this in my life either. Last I checked, God was not speaking to me through a burning bush or dictation on how to make a boat to save myself. No, I can relate more to the uncertainty and ambiguity found in Esther. Every day, I have to remember to open my eyes, my heart, my mind, and pay attention to see the ways that God is working in my life. I have to pay attention. In our text, Esther ultimately decides to act on behalf of her people, and she saves them. But this decision is not easy or quick. Her cousin, Mordecai, pleads with her to use her place of power to save the Jewish people. This is an interesting interaction. As we heard from Hannah and Bruce, Esther, I imagine, 
would like to mind her own business. She knows that she cannot see the king unless she is extended an invitation. But Mordecai pushes her to consider how in the world she got in the position she is. He says that maybe this Jewish orphan is married to the Persian king for a reason, to save her people. And Esther responds by saying, let me think about it. She is being asked to act in a situation that she neither created nor asked for. And she is at first reluctant, a situation she neither created nor asked for, but must respond to. I wonder if we can relate to that. For the last seven months, we all have been in a situation that we neither created nor asked for. In this pandemic, we've been faced with difficult questions about how to respond. We have to make decisions without having all of the information we need. And where there aren't clear black and white, right or wrong answers. I've had lots of moments of feeling pretty powerless. And if there's one feeling I don't like, it is the feeling of powerlessness. I am discovering that when I don't know what to do, the best thing I can do is to respond with grace. The motto around our house since March, when we started virtually learning high school together, was grace first. Grace first. Some days we are better at this than others, but it has been a good motto. My family of five, we did not know what to expect. Everything went from familiarity to being unfamiliar. No one was an expert, not even me, their very wise mother. So in order to survive somewhat peacefully, we made a pact to let grace be our first response. It's a daily reminder because if you ask my kids, they know I slip pretty often. Where do we find grace and light, especially in a pandemic? Where do we find direction? One of my favorite authors, Anne Lamont says, try some radical self-care, friendly self-talk, a cup of tea, grace always does bat last, and the light always overcomes the darkness, always, historically but not necessarily later the same day or tomorrow after lunch. So kindness and encouragement to everyone, even to our very disappointing selves. This pandemic will be hard, but we're good at hard. As hard as it has been for me to show grace to my kids who might still be asleep at 9 a.m. and so I have to throw their laptop in their bed to sign in for virtual school, it is also hard for me to show grace to myself. Another tool in my toolbox has been a saying I came up with, rather than bracing ourselves for what is hard and uncertain, instead, let us grace ourselves. We, like Esther, are put into these situations we didn't ask for or create. We should offer ourselves grace and yet we also must respond, even when we don't feel equipped to do so. There's a Hopi Native American saying, 
Perhaps we are the very ones we have been waiting for. Perhaps we are not to sit idly by waiting for God to show up and make a difference or give us some huge and obvious sign that tells us exactly what to do. Perhaps we are the very ones whom God will use even with our doubts and our uncertainties and our questions. Maybe there is something in your life right now that you are being nudged to consider. Maybe you have resisted this nudge because it is not something that you want to do. Maybe you are like Esther and would rather mind your own business rather than approaching the king. But maybe there's a Mordecai in your life encouraging you to act. But notice what Esther did once Mordecai suggested she go to the king with this dangerous request. She didn't just do it. She said, I need to fast and pray. She also asked for her community to support her by fasting and praying. We need patience and the support of others to listen for what it is that we are being called to do. In this time of world pandemic, social unrest, we may have more time to sit with our thoughts. And for some of us, this is not necessarily a good thing. We might suffer what's sometimes called monkey mind, where we obsess, worry, and panic over every little thing. Acting out of a monkey mind mode is usually not helpful. It may be uncomfortable to sit, pray, or even fast over a possible situation, or to advocate to do something out of our comfort zone. But that may be what we are called to do in this time, for such a time as this. There's a lot of unrest in the world. It's exhausting, scary, and stressful. God isn't showing up in a burning bush or parting the sea. Instead, we are invited to look for God's presence each new day, trusting that God is near. Showing grace to ourselves and others can be hard, but we can do hard things with God's help. We don't have all the answers in this uncertain time, but like Esther, I am praying for wisdom, guidance, and strength, and most of all, for grace. Amen.